those games helped me a lot, but also were not that healthy for me in the long run. Hmm. You know, that early success. It make it, it made things seem easy. Yeah. Oh, this is easy. I just make a game and submit it to the IGF. Oh, I'm a finalist now. And then next year, a winner and award. Dude, this is like this is like piece of cake. Just do it. Uh, right? Hi, everybody. This is Soren Johnson, and you are listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Today, we are talking to independent game developer Daniel Benmergi, who is best known for experimental story games like Today I Die, I Wish I Were the Moon, and the IGF-winning Storyteller. Daniel is also the programmer and designer behind the indie-fund-backed puzzle game Ernesto. Today's interview is conducted by Adam Saltzman, director of Finji, an indie developer and publisher. Adam is best known for creating Cannibalt and is currently working on Overland. You want to start by just like making, like doing a little little intro thing and talk about games that you worked on and maybe a little okay. bit about your background or something? Okay. Well, I was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. My name is Daniel Van Mergi, and uh, I made a game called Today I Die, another one called I Wish I Were the Moon, another one called Storyteller, and now I'm making a game called Ernesto. And before being an independent developer, I was a lead programmer at Gameloft, a very big company, French company, uh, Ubisoft spin-off. And uh, I got tired of it, and I quit. And it became independent, and then it had, and then it had a lot of fun. <laughs> and you're working on Ernesto now. I am, yes. And storyteller, sort of. Maybe. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm not working on it this until I finish Ernesto. Okay. But uh, I am definitely uh, going to pick it up again once I complete my current game cool um so let's see so maybe let's talk a little bit about um should we talk about today i die and i wish i were the moon kind of at the same time because they kind of have similar art style and kind of similar gameplay a little bit yeah and they're close in time actually they were pretty much made doing the same we we did a few months of each other oh crazy so yeah 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 so, uh, actually, those two games were the first ones uh, I made when I became independent. Uh, when I quit Gameloft, I, I sort of thought I would be, you know, making gamey games. Yeah. Like RPGs, uh, crawlers, and all that stuff. And I actually started, but I could not finish any of them. Uh, and on the sides, I decided, you know, I just kind of felt like doing these small artsy games. And it turns out, you know, I, I released them on Congregate for free, uh, hoping absolutely nothing out of them. Like, absolutely nothing. Uh, and they had a very surprising reception, at least uh, among, you know, game developers. Those, mm-hmm. those were 
the most interested in what I was doing. Hmm. So yeah, both both games were surprising in that I did not expect them to do to you know yeah, I sort of expected them to die as soon as <laughs> right. I, I release them. Um, and it was not the case and it was it was fortunate, but at the same time it might not have been the best it might have, my, my, my maybe it was not the best thing that could have happened to me actually. Uh I was just beginning, I mean, I, I wanted to make games uh, my whole life, but only started seriously when I quit Game Love, and I was 30 at, at the time of 2008. Mm. Uh, so I made some more prototypes and stuff before, but no, ne never, you know, finished game. Uh, so having my first two or three games uh, be so well received, um, might have not been very good for my, um, you know, I, I, yeah. I feel that I'm, I am just starting to learn to do proper game design. Like, just now, I'm starting to learn to do that. Right. Uh, so I suffered a lot after Today I Die because I could not figure out, uh, I, could not, I could not come up with a game that would be received in the same way as yeah. the games I, I did before. I so I felt this pressure to you know outdo myself, mm -hmm. and so that's that's why I struggled so much with storyteller when I decided to make it you know a full game. It was like uh, this is not good, this is not good, this is not good, this is not good. And I, and right now I'm starting to realize that I was not I was maybe not ready to make that game yet, and that's why mm -hmm. I struggled with it so much, and the reason why I decided to stop for a while. Uh, hmm. Ernesto is different than storytelling. That you know, it's more of a game. It's it has, it has it asks less questions, so it's uh, easier to measure progress. In it. Yeah. So hmm. I get the feeling that I'm learning a lot of things now. Among among which are you know having more confidence about my my work. Yeah. Which um, which is a big deal, right? Because like. Um... I want to I want to go back and talk about some other things you mentioned but like while we're here this weird thing of having a game design that has these big um it's not necessarily like a game design that has big questions but like uh uh a game design that has questions that have a lot of answers and all the mm -hmm. answers seem interesting but mm -hmm. you can't make all, all of the games probably and confidence yeah. is one way that you can maybe just sort of pick one and feel like it's worth following through on, maybe or yeah, I mean, it's 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 also about you know um, not straying, uh, not feeling like you're making a bad decision. You're making bad decisions. You know, mm. when, when 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 you start exploring any game that doesn't have uh, and has original gameplay in it, um, when you start you know trying something. It's it's probably not a very good game, right? Uh, yet, yeah, because it needs a lot of you know work to make it feel good. So maybe you show the game to other people and they say, well, you know, since it's a, it's a weird game, they have they have no they have nothing to compare your game against or project where your game could end up or, or whether it would be good or not. I mean, not even game yeah. designers are good at this. I mean, not even game designers are good at projecting mechanics in gameplay. Right, we're just right. not very good at it. It's very hard. So, 
So, so what happens is that uh, you know people might say, well, you know, I, it's alright, but I don't, I don't like it that much, and that's where uh, confidence kicks your own confidence, self confidence kicks in, in that well, this is the choice I made, I'm going to follow it because I trust that I'm going to end up somewhere good. Right, because right? you so, have, is is the problem with the design that it is that um, you're exploring the wrong space or is it that you have incompletely explored the right space? Exactly, exactly. So, hmm. you know, there's no answer for that. So you have to trust yourself. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And... Talking with people and showing the game to people, uh, they are going to try your confidence in your own project. Now, mm-hmm. It has happened to me. It has happened to me that a lot of people told me that Ernesto, you know, it's it strays very far away from everything we've done before. Like people were sort of expecting me to make, you know, a very original game, very art, an art type style mm-hmm. game. So they're like, eh, you know, this game just just has monsters in it, and you know. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen any poems in Ernesto yet at all. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that kind hmm. of thing is like, eh, what, why are you doing this? Like, why why are you working on this instead of you know of completing storyteller or maybe maybe making a new new art game or something? Uh, but I'm starting to feel like I'm doing the right thing now for me. Mm-hmm. So that's not getting that's not getting to me. Uh, and, and I think that's a sign of maturity in, as a designer. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it did not happen that uh, it, it, uh, this did not happen to me with Storyteller. I would I would agonize every time I showed a game in a public show or something. I would agonize over people are not getting the game. People get stuck. People get frustrated. Do you feel like? Did you feel like it was that was like a reflection on like your? Ability? Like you as a game designer, it was like, oh, this is storyteller is my best thing ever. But if people don't get it, then that means like I can't do this. Or it was more like I maybe I chose the wrong path. As you said before, there are many ways to go about storyteller. Uh, many many ways, and exploring each one of those spaces is very time consuming, very expensive uh, because it's a complicated game. Um, so. So I had to pick, okay, I'm going to go this way, but I would have second thoughts about it. And, you know, having people confirm that maybe this was not the right path, maybe maybe, hmm. maybe you should do something else, maybe this is not it. So uh, it would drive me crazy because I, right. that was, they, were, they were reflecting my own doubts. At right. Me. Yeah, so if you go in with doubts about a design choice or a, a design direction in the problem space and you're talking to people and they're saying like, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't know, then that's really just, uh, yeah, it's just kind of feeding off that or amplifying that. Yeah, so hmm. so the only tool against that, I think, is just confidence in your work and, and you know, making choice. Like, I'm going to explore this. Maybe this is not the greatest it's not going to be the greatest game ever or whatever, but I'm going to follow this path and, uh, and you know, only change it, only, only, only have second thoughts. If I found another good path, I, had, I, I was paralyzed by, by, you know, not being able to read ahead where my next step would take me to. So for Ernesto, I mm-hmm. also have, you know, I could go this way. I have this, 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 
dilemma. Like, I could make the game go this way and make, make the game go this way. But then, now I'm making a choice and going one way. And if I, at some point, the game proves me wrong, like, no, this was, this was not the right choice, I'm going to let the game do that. But we saw each other and I didn't feel like there, there, there wasn't just two paths or three. Right. Which is a whole universe of different ways of going about the game. And I didn't. I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's like a, a like start of a game of chess or something where you don't know. You can yeah, see one or two moves ahead, maybe on right. a handful of pieces, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. A, I think that's a good analogy. Like, if you gave me a, a board that was already set up, I maybe could have followed. But mm. you know, just from scratch, it was like I have no idea what to. See. Where direction to go, and every time I pick a direction, it takes me a long, long time to figure out if it's going to work or not. Hmm. Uh, so, so I got paralyzed by that. That's why Storyteller kept dragging on and on and on. I could, I, I was not able to finish it. And the hmm. fact that I was uh, having a, a, um, a patron, like, uh, hmm. you know, Jeff Roberts, uh, he's the yeah. Uh, he was he's the founder of one of the founders of uh, uh, Rat Game Tools, mm-hmm. you know the middleware company. So uh, he was giving me money monthly to you know make games, uh, and, and so I didn't have a financial pressure on me. Hmm. To, yeah. Know, well, how, you have to pick a choice and go for it because you don't have you're running out of time. Yeah. So that helped a lot at the beginning and then it started to make me sick at the end like i it was it was it was not good it was not doing me much good so mm-hmm. for ernesto once i decided i would do it i uh i told jeff not to give me any more money and i went to indifan to raise some money and now i have some money to make the game but it's it's limited right and it's not yeah. a lot so uh it's not going to last for much much longer Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had to. So so I I, I, I made both, both choices. I picked this a game where I could you know navigate it a bit more in a bit more manageable way, and uh, I also cut off the. I, I put my I created myself a sort of financial pressure to the hmm. game. Yeah. Um, where do you think this like? Um, how do you get this confidence? Because this is a handy thing to have. And it's not always super easy to come by. Like, because I felt, I used to feel like I was a very confident designer when I thought I knew what I was doing. And that actually really, like, that actually worked. Like, not everything I made was good or anything, but, like, it had a very, um, I felt very confident in what I was doing. And I wasn't really, like, uh, I wasn't second-guessing myself all the time. And I kind of feel like it worked out. But then I found out how much about game design I don't know. And now it's like everything's a nightmare. Like every design decision is like pages and pages and pages in the sketchbook, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, what I would say is that you know that confidence is not related to how how well you do video games. Mm. In fact, I think that we don't have we don't have we have very little control over how our games do, of how they are received. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of control over that. I don't think the confidence is related to that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to hide. I mean, one of the reasons why I decided to become an indie game developer and make the kind of games that I'm making was 
you know, watching John Blow show grade at an early GDC. Uh, when, I, when I was looking at that, I thought, well, this is what I want to do in games. This is, this is my thing. This is going to be my thing. And so I, I never, I, I've never hidden my utter, complete respect for John's work. And I uh, had the fortune of being uh, able to be around him. So I, I, I had the fortune of uh, being able to watch John work, you know, and see him react to different situations and stuff like that. And one thing that stuck with me is that even when something was something he was doing was not really working, he would stick to his guns no matter what. Hmm. He was he he would go like, yeah, maybe that's not very good, but it's the best it's the best thing I have now. Maybe maybe later I'll come up with something better. It usually it I mean you usually do. If you keep working at something, you will usually find a way to make it better. Yeah. And he would, I mean, he would stick to his guns even when I saw that, you know, this is not really that good. It's like, yeah, this, this doesn't feel good at all. But he was working on that, right? Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. was, uh, that, that was quite an enlightenment for me. It was, it was like, ah, okay, so, so there is, so, so from, the, from the designer I respect the most, the magic is not that magic, right? It's not... It's not a mystery. It's not like he comes from the heavens with the, you know, right. with the genius idea and he just makes it happen at all. He doesn't work like that at all. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 now starting a new game. I've I've seen I've seen him uh, work on it since the beginning. And it was like, oh, this he's. It's not like he knows how to go about things. Mm -hmm. He's just figuring it out along the way. It's, it's just that's. I mean, I would do the same thing. It's not. He's he's not at an advantage when yeah. he's starting a new game. I mean, he's a good designer. He's smart. Comes up with very neat solutions to take. Uh, but uh, his confidence is just you know. I'm going to make this choice and just stick with it, and that's it. Well, I feel like uh, I feel like for game design, a lot of the way that people talk about it, I think the way I used to think about it was. Um, you kind of wait around until like a fully formed idea springs into your head and then you prototype it to make sure that you are a genius and then you finish the game and that's like the process. But it seems a lot more lately like the process is more like uh, uh, sort of a mix of finding interesting places to start and getting better at following an idea. And, like, those are things that can get better as you get smarter. But, you, like, the idea that you will know exactly where you're going seems counterproductive or something. Well, uh, I, 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 you know, I think that's... Uh, you can make games that way if you're doing backwards game design. Not if you're doing forward game design. Mm. So, so mm. if you're doing, I mean, by backwards game design, I mean when you think of the answer, and then you know come up with the problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's uh, that's like backwards game design. Like adventure games do that. Like, oh, so these characters, this character is going to end up doing this. So how does he get there? Well, maybe we could make a a, a, a rival, and 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 then 
he becomes an obstacle and then he puts you in jail and now I have to figure out how to get out of jail and then you're you're walking kind of working your way backwards into mm. into, into how the game works out like right uh, yeah but then forward game design is you know the kind of game design that very systemic games need because because what one of the characteristics of you know systemic games is is that uh it's, it's a complicated artifact right so you don't really know how it works when you, when you pick a mechanic you don't really know unless, unless you're you're doing something in a space you're very familiar with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really know what's interesting about the mechanics yet right yeah so you think yeah. well this might be cool but then you need to figure it out because you don't know so you need to get good at a game that does not exist yet right <laughs> that's what tells us apart from players Hmm. But that's the only, but I think that's the only thing. It's the only thing that sets us apart from players. The way I'm designing our investor now is I'm just playing the game. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure the game out as a player, but being a designer, I can you know modify the game, change things, mm-hmm. see oh mm-hmm. is this interesting? Is this interesting? Is this interesting? Is this interesting? And I'm playing, 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 yeah. trying to bump accidentally into interesting things. That's Right. That's pretty much how I'm designing this game. I'm just trying mm. to bump into it. That's 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 forward game design because I pick the mechanics and then you know I'm pushing forward through the the dynamics, trying to find something interesting. Uh, so if you have a systemic game, I don't think you can make a good game by designing backwards. Uh, you just you just can't. I mean, you're you don't understand your own game if you do that. You you end up not understanding the 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 potential dynamics that your mechanic has you will never get them unless you're a genius or illuminated (laughs) or in a very familiar space right right yeah if if the path is already there if you already know how to get from start to finish i feel like that probably doesn't count but it i mean it reminds me of people who um who write also you know i've got um uh, a good friend is a uh, a writer and he writes uh kind of ongoing um like young adult or children's stories and he has like he does forward writing even though it's a structured thing it's a linear thing all of that stuff like he doesn't know exactly where it's going to end up or anything like he's just he knows like this is a cool place to start and then we're going to like you know kind of iteratively go through this and we end up talking a lot because we just had i was surprised by how much common territory there was um uh, where there's this like soupy stage where kind of there's a whole bunch of ideas floating around. You don't really know which ones are good. And so they just kind of have to sit there for a while and eventually cool ones right. pop out. Um, it was all, it was all pretty similar. Um, I don't know. And yeah. I mean, and the architects I like basically do forward design also. They don't start with a blueprint and like build inward. They kind right. of, um, you know, start from a piece of land and figure out what kind of house would be good there. And Right. Um, right. And then you, yeah, you try to you, you explore the space to see what's there. And I wonder if it's just yeah. about it's just about being well adapted to the space. Like, can backwards design actually fit properly? Feels like backwards design has lots of um, kind of ideas about like modularity or, you know, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, well, one thing is that is clear is that 
you can never do full forward game design or full backward game design. You That's can, true. Yeah. It's a, you will do a bit of both, but we tend to fall very easy into the trap of going backwards because when you go backwards, what happens is you get more stuff done mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, just because it's easier to do things that way, but uh, but you end up with worse with a worse game because you are not exploiting uh, uh, you're not exploiting your own game. But mm -hmm. then when you're doing four-way game design, you're also doing a bit of backward game design because you're putting constraints like I want this level, I want to put really put this narrative thing into this level. So I am going to build around this and kind of mm -hmm. force maybe force the level a bit. Yeah. Uh, because I want this to happen, and that's cool as well. I mean, you can, you you, you want to find a you know. Um, uh, one one thing with backward game design, I think, is that backward game game design feels more like somebody wrote it. Like there is mm -hmm. a human being that tried to do something here, and you can you can see the human being there. Hmm. Whereas in forward game design, you're more in the hands of the mechanics, which is. Uh, you know, more universal. This is a universe talking, hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, not not a single, not a not a, not a person. And and it's good to have a bit of both, I think. Yeah. Uh, hmm. That, that that's why uh, you know adventure games feels completely like somebody you know wrote down the whole thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of second guessing the mind of the designer there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas you know in a full forward game design like Go. It feels like you're dealing with a with a higher force there. Yeah. That it's not human, right? It's not. Yeah. It's just we navigating a mysterious space that was already there before we even existed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like no. Hmm. Um. Uh, uh, um, you mentioned earlier something about um, uh, this funny reaction that people have to games that they've never played before or that they don't really recognize. Um, and But it seems like that can be kind of good and bad. Like, I kind of, I kind of like it sometimes as a way of sort of hopping over weird expectations that people bring otherwise. Um... Yeah, the, uh, what I think about that is that there, you know, there are different kinds of weird. Like uh, today, I was playing this uh, the new game, the demo of the new game of Lucas Pope. Uh, oh yeah, what's the name? Uh, what's the name? The Return uh, to Obra Yeah, Den Return. Or something. Yeah, well, that's a weird game. I mean, even <laughs> even the mechanics are kind of weird, right? It's not, it's not like it's it's completely like something I've played before, hmm. but. I could figure out the space of the game like right away. Oh, this is this is what the game wants from me, hmm. right? So, and now I can pick it up and, and do my own thing, right? Now yeah. I know how to go about this game. Yeah. Uh, you could say the same thing about going home. Like at first, going home, you kind of uh, you mm -hmm. be confused. Like what what is this game? What does the game want from me? Uh, is is something going to jump at me? Uh, yeah. It's uh, do I have to pick stuff? Do I get to? Are there puzzles around here? What's going to happen? Um, once you figure it out, you cannot you know just glide with it. 
Like, okay, mm -hmm. now I know. I mean, this is weird. I've never played something like this before. It feels weird. I'm going to feel weird the whole game. But I know that I can navigate right away. I know that I can navigate it. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, a very heavily mechanical weird game, I, I think it feels a bit, uh, a bit like a minefield. It's like it's very easy as a designer. It's very easy to, for you to fuck up and have a lot of players fall into a pit because you miscommunicated something, or uh, something is not clear, or you know, mm -hmm. one, one of the one of the things I observed, you know, I made I made weird games. Storyteller above all was the weirdest, strangest game I made. And one thing I observed is that uh, you know people start as, as soon as they pick up the game, they start to build a mental model of how the game works. Right? Mm -hmm. they, 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 they think, okay, this is how things work in this game. So Storyteller has a lot of moving parts to it. Like, uh, there are characters, there are, I, I depend a lot of, on cult, in culture, I, I depend a bit on language, how you express things, uh, I depend a bit on, on specific languages, like English, how English works, I also depend a bit on that, and, uh, and, and, and what uh, your comic reading training baggage uh, mm -hmm. so i depend on a lot of very so uh, those things are moving parts yeah. so if you read comics all your life and you never read comics in all your life you're going to storyteller doesn't doesn't feel the same way at least at first hmm. uh yeah. because if you're training comics you pick up right away oh this is a metaphor that's fine mm -hmm. but if you're not used to them it, it takes not a leap to say oh this is like those cartoons, right? Mm, mm -hmm. uh, but it takes time to make the connection between the two things. Hmm. Uh, so, so what I observed is that uh, storyteller, I had to be very, very extremely careful with every single choice in the first level. I made it during the first levels because as soon as the players build up the wrong model of how the game works, there was no fixing it. Hmm. They would. They would be confused the rest of the game. At some point, they will realize the mistake and then forget about it and fall back into the original model yeah. uh, they made of in their heads. So uh, it felt like a minefield. Like if somebody comes walking into my game, they're very likely to step on a landmine and blow and blow themselves up. Yeah. So it took it took a lot of fiddling to make sure that doesn't happen, and I never got it completely right. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. Because some so, games are really so, good at this. I was um, I was in New York a few weeks ago, and I was talking to Zach, and he was um, telling me all about how um, kind of like how Pac-Man works cognitively. And like Pac-Man's a very simple game, but it sort of has kind of complex rules where there's like yeah. eat all the things and watch out for these four like AI ghost things, and then you get a special thing, and the whole game flips, and now you're chasing instead of being chased. Like there's a whole bunch of moving parts, but like, there's no tutorial, there's no, you know, um, and it doesn't take, like, I mean, a lot of people are able to sort of kind of pick it up. Um, and it's a quality of, because, uh, you know, like, I, and I, like, I grant that there are a few exceptions, like, you know, like, reading a novel is different from reading a comic or something, but, like, the basic, a lot of the basic, like, mechanics of reading a story, where you kind of go from left to right, and, you know you get introduced to characters and so on and so forth. Like, those things are shared. So usually when you pick up a book, even if it's, you know, uh, 
like a screenplay or something or a like a, a play from like the 1600s or it's like a salacious romance novel from like last week the basic mechanics are very similar like you don't have to learn how to read the romance story if you've only read Shakespeare right like you you can right. make your way through it it's fine um, but right. you can pick up a game and just never get it is like a thing that can happen right like I still right. don't really get go right I mean I guess not not that many people do really but yeah yeah, yeah. it's um, a it's a tough game uh, I, I'm thinking about your metaphor about the books and thinking is well, I don't know. I, there, there, there are books that some people don't get into them. Like, I totally. can't fall, I can't keep up. Maybe mm-hmm. there's too many characters in the thing. I, I confuse the names. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's who. Yeah. I don't want to read this. I'm bored. I, 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 I lost track of, of what's going on. Right. Yeah. But yeah, and it, and it does happen with you know TV series. Like, if you're watching, you know, have you seen House of Cards? I haven't. Yeah. Let me space it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you're watching The Walking Dead, it's pretty accessible, right? You mm-hmm. might be grossed out at the violence, mm-hmm. but uh, but you can keep up without a lot of cognitive effort. Mm-hmm. Whereas in House of Cards, which is you know about political intrigues and characters speak about subjects without explaining them to you, mm-hmm. it's like you have to. You have to, you know, you have to uh, fill in a lot of gaps. That's yeah. nice. So uh, a lot of people can or, or won't do that. Like, I can do that. I, I'm not, I'm just not good at it. So I can't yeah. keep up, so I get bored and want to watch this. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, well, so I think, I think like, uh, like Braid, I think, is an interesting example because it took a pretty weird set of ideas like you know let's um let's explore like the space-time consequences of like manipulating the fourth dimension or whatever and then um but then it was like yeah but also it's like mario and so like Mm -hmm. there's a whole chunk of the game where if you've played any video games basically in the last like 30 years like all that part's done and kind of like right. almost the only thing you have to grapple with in Braid most of the time, if you're a gamer or whatever, the only thing you have to grapple with is the time travel part. Um, mm-hmm. I think the thing that's tricky is like if I put, if I was like, hey, uh, my dad, check out Braid, um, he would actually be grappling with 30 years of Super Mario Brothers that he never yeah, played yeah, of course. Of course. and the time travel at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it would be crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I've seen you that can't time. make a game for everybody, right? No, 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 you can't. You can't, you know. Uh, there is a, there is a. I guess it, there is a blurry, ideal audience, and you're trying to make a game for that. Like people who like, people who would like my game if I didn't screw up. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, it is part of the game. After all, I mean, you're whenever you make a choice in a game, you're leaving some people out forever mm-hmm. you're losing some people forever and you're inviting other people in right yeah it's, yeah yeah i know it's one of those moving parts in gaming center like yeah it's a variable. it's a variable not a uh, i mean if we had a fixed audience maybe game design would be would get easier mm-hmm. like you have to make games for the arcades of for people that are half drunk 
and and you know uh, yeah, it will run in these bulky machines mm -hmm. that only have one joystick and two buttons and maybe and then the game needs to finish quickly and those constraints actually you know help make game time easier yeah because okay the space is smaller now and I have to right and I have to be lucky you know I have to get lucky in that space to find something interesting but it's a reduced space whereas you know when you're when your target is the internet it's like I don't know man I have no idea who's out there yeah who's this is like, this is this game for like film editors or is this game for like you know uh, uh, like sanitation engineers or is it for like, or, or maybe not even that maybe it's maybe you're making a game that is for a people with a very small trait uh, mm -hmm. psychological trait right hmm. and a lot hmm. lots of people have it from engineers to housewives right 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 and yeah. who knows how how much how many people are there like that I, I have no idea I don't know yeah I'm just guessing I'm just you know taking it no, yeah no we yeah we had this or we did a we did this iPad game and we had this idea that this would be we were gonna make a bunch of design decisions to you know we thought of it really specifically as like let's let's not shut out the people who are going to be into this, but we're not going to bother like, you know, trying to suck up everybody. We just want to, you know, we think that we think that the things that are interesting about this are things that um, some gamers will like and some non-gamers will like because we're what, what, what a, game are you talking about? Oh, this hundreds. was hundreds. Okay, um, there was a bunch of things there where it was like, okay. Uh, uh, not everybody's going to like it, and that's totally fine. Um, but the people who do like it um, don't have the shared trait of video game experience. They have these different set of shared traits. Um, and so we had this, uh, we worked really, really hard to like um, uh, kind of draw out or get rid of anything in the game that we thought required a, like an undue degree of video game experience or something. Right. Um, but our new project on Overland, that's not as nearly as much of a consideration. Like we're thinking about it, but it's not like it used to be like, that was like an ax or something. Like if something in hundreds we thought was going to require too much like gamer knowledge, it just got thrown out right away. And in Overland, right. it's like, well, we might be able to make a compromise there because maybe this game is a game that gamers play, but non-gamers can watch or something. There's like some kind of extra step there or something. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so you thought that um, when you initially... Sorry, by the way, how, oh. how did hundreds do? Um, it did okay. Uh, okay. It didn't do crazy good, but it still does. Um, people still buy it and play it. And um... are, are you getting any stats out of how far people are getting to, into the game? Not really. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, I could actually... We, we had some in there. Because the game, the game mutates quite heavily mutates in the sense that okay i'm not i'm not what, what i'm playing right now is not the same experience of 10 levels ago this, yeah this is starting to feel like i'm playing a different game yeah and we wanted to i suppose say every 10 levels it would start to feel kind of different we give people 10 levels of adjustment time to get ready for the next kind of break right um i have i i know i think almost everyone that plays it gets into like the 30s 
right. basically every human on Earth that touches it. And and that those first 25 levels are designed to be a funnel like that. Like, just like a I, slippy slide that pe- everybody can go down. And right. we don't... There's not a lot of difficulty change in the first 20 levels, but we just try to do, like, a crap load of variety. Um, because that way... I think there's a thing that... Um, uh, so there's, I, and I think this is actually different from what Pac-Man does. So I think Pac-Man does this one thing that I'll talk about in a sec, but what we did on hundreds was just um, go like, okay, so there's this thing in the game where you touch a thing and it grows. And that's pretty simple, but for some people that's not going to be that simple um, because the things move and the things growing and moving at the same time, and so it's relative radius to everything else is constantly changing, and that's kind of weird. Um, and so what we're going to do is just come up with these like 20 different scenarios um, where you do the same thing. And so by the 20th scenario, almost everyone on Earth has managed to extract this one arbitrary concept that's the most important thing in the whole game, and they've managed to extract that so that it exists independently of all the other puzzles. Um, and I think that was, I think that was good. Um, but mostly, like, I love the really hard levels, and I would put it in front of people who were into the game, and they wouldn't be making it to the hard levels. They would get stuck on something dumb on an easy level. Yeah. And so we just worked on that forever. Um, I but I think Pac-Man does a different thing, um, which uh, Zach described as letting people make their own problems, which is okay. a super interesting thing. So, and this comes out of... Um, I can edit all this out so that this isn't just me talking forever, but... Um, no, it's fine. It's, 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 um, it's fine. It's fine. In the, so, in the 60s, when they were... Like, the 60s and 70s, when, like, design theory... Uh, when design theory was, like, a big uh, thing at, like, universities and in architecture and in product design, so this is, like, the era of Don Norman and Christopher Alexander and so on, there was another parallel field of study called problem-solving theory, I think is what it's called, or problem-solving okay. studies. And they actually... St- they like sat down and studied the way people uh, approach and solve approach problems. Solve. Yeah, yeah, just in general. And they found that there's kind of a really rough way of describing it is there's sort of like um, there's like the really immediate, obvious, dumb way that people solve problems, which is like you um, there's, a, there's a locked door and you have like five keys on a key ring and you just keep sticking keys in and change right, the direction right. they go and eventually it opens. You're like, whatever, that's fine. Um, and then there's like higher level problem solving where maybe you're like looking at the material the lock is made from and you look at the shape of the keyhole and you look at the key itself and examine the keys and you do this like higher level thing because you're like, oh, well, I've used locks and keys before in different scenarios and I know that the tumbler and the thing where it inserts has to be a similar size. And that's like higher level problem solving. And right. so the problem is that um, there's a small subset of people, I think almost all of whom are game designers, unfortunately, or like really high level like crossword players or something, um, who approach many, many problems in their life uh, with high level problem solving, where they go in and they're applying um, complicated ideas and it's kind of a game, it's this playful experience. And like 99% of people on earth almost are never able to engage with that process at all unless it's a mess that they made. For some reason. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and so, so you don't resort to higher functions unless you feel like you're really, really, really 
So I think this is I think forced to solve it like you have to solve. I think it. so. I think another example would be something like um, Minecraft, maybe, where um, if you're playing a game with pre-designed levels, you're happy to just like pull out keys, stick them in the hole over and over until it works, and you go on, you get the stars and whatever. But uh, in Minecraft, there's um, there's nothing there. There's no sense of you're engaging with an, some level designer somewhere and trying to solve a puzzle like you dig a hole and now you're designing the levels and right i don't know if it's that sense of familiarity grants it enough like a degree of confidence or if there's some kind of like weirder deeper thing going on um but i see um it's uh it's an interesting cognitive thing it's not what we did on hundreds you know but i think if we were going to approach hundreds again and i was trying to do it from a more systemic forward designing kind of approach i think i would be thinking a lot about um about how that works it's a it's a thing we didn't call it this on overland but like on overland one of our mantra is like um as many things as possible in the game should be the player's fault so like they only almost never drop the player into into a scenario where everything's gone wrong and they can't recover but we put them in a scenario where there's lots of fragile things that they might tip over that then create an enormous mess that's really really hard to get out of i see i see um i see that's interesting uh, and it was before and then i talked to zach and i was like oh maybe that's why that feels good as a player because i I I just didn't want we wanted to make a randomly generated game and i didn't want players to be mad all the time and the easiest way to make them less mad is for everything to be their fault because right, 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 right. Then I'm off right, the hook a little. So, so I, I was thinking uh, about something you just said. You know, you know about about people approaching you know problems through the high level problem solving solving thing versus you know brute forcing the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think I could roughly so far roughly separate people in sort of like that, which I call you know the thinkers. Mm-hmm. And the tinkers, yeah. Uh, and I observe, like for games like like uh, Ernesto is fine with with both groups, mm-hmm. but storyteller, the thinkers had a really really lousy time with the game oh, because really? they, you know they would just they would just stare at, stare at the level and try, mm. you know, to come out with a framework. That would help mm. them figure the problem like at once. Mm-hmm. They were trying to do that, right? Right. Uh, and they would not move. They would not touch anything in the game, right? Until they came up with a with a good theory about how to so, solve the problem. So this is and interesting. They would never. They would never get anywhere because you know storyteller needed you to experiment. Yeah. Because because it has a lot of small rules on yeah. how characters work, so it needed you to experiment. Yeah. So those those players they drove me mad because they would stare at the screen, yeah, and not do anything for so minutes. So this is funny because then that makes it sound like storytell like playing storyteller sounds kind of similar to making storyteller, where you can kind of only see like you can't see as many steps ahead or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, that's that definitely happens. Yes. Hmm. Yes, that's that would be a good summary of the problem I haven't been able to solve in the game yet, in terms of game design. I want to have less, I want to have less elements with a richer space of possibilities. 
hmm. you know, something that you can think about. I, I mean, something that could never happen with the current version of Storyteller is that you, you know, wake up someday and said, oh, I know, that's, that's what I have to do. Or may, maybe you're wrong, hmm. but right now the game, the game has such a messy space yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can you can really grasp it in your head. Yeah. So you pretty much stumble into levels until you bump into a solution. Well, and sometimes even in a simple space, this happens. Um, we had a um, this prototype that we kind of abandoned, and it had this nasty. It, there was not a lot of moving parts. It wasn't that complicated. Um, it was very simple. You only made one decision at a time, and it was really hard to. It was hard to have a, a sense ahead of time, even with practice, what the effects of your decisions actually were. Um, and when you got into a place that was a wrong answer, even if there's multiple answers, if you're in one of the answers that's wrong, it was not really clear how you got there or even necessarily like why it was wrong. And there was tons of traditional game feedback and all of that stuff but there was something about the way the space was built and i still don't know yeah, the what model. was wrong yeah yeah there was something in the model that wasn't working yeah like, wasn't clicking completely. yeah have you ever been have you ever had a problem like that that you've managed to um like was there a version of ernesto where there was a lot of confusion and then you were able to kind of Oh yes, climb out of there. Well, uh, yeah, and it mostly. I mean, it happened a few times. It still happens with some things, mm. uh, with you know some some specific parts of the game are still you know maybe this is confusing. I don't really get it. Um, most there... of the problems. One of the good things is that you know I can I can I can try. There there's stuff in Ernesto that works. I know it. I know they work. So that's a relief. <laughs> I know that works. So I grab the parts that don't work and just, you know, let them simmer for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I, what, what I came to realize with Ernesto is that feedback solves a lot of problems for you. And, and coming up with feedback sometimes is evident. Or it's like, oh, I just put some sparkles in here so people look at this. Mm-hmm. This other thing happens. You know, but... Sometimes there are solutions that are not that obvious about feedback. Yeah. Uh, Do you have it? Is there a specific Ernesto feedback well, yeah, thing that was super well, weird? It, it happened at some point that you know there's there's a game element called the Medusas, which are uh, monsters that uh, petrify you when you move towards towards them if you're if they're looking at you. Like okay. Medusas look up or down. They're either one one of the two. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if if uh, Downward looking Medusa, you approach it from below, you get petrified. Yeah. Not if you do this. I mean, not if you go sideways, or if you go the same way. I mean, if I if I if I do this, uh, oh sorry. So oh, I, I see. So I, I see. Go. Yeah. So that's that's fine. Yeah. So as long as as long as you don't do this, you're you're totally okay. Yeah. So and you have people, to actually you have to be looking at the Medusa, and then you turn to stone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, people got got this at some point at the beginning of when I started introducing the Medusas, they sort of get it and then they forget about it instantly. And they <laughs> think that they're going to get petrified whenever they cross the Medusa's gaze. Right, right. Like if they, they think, even though in the first level, one of the first things you do is this. 
and you walk in front of them, <laughs> right. you don't get problems. Right. So they think uh, no matter what, if you cross the Medusa, whatever direction the Medusa is facing, it's a problem. And they don't think about, oh, it's the direction that I face exactly, combined exactly. with the direction the Medusa faces. That's the real problem. Right. But they exactly. forget that. So, exactly. They forget that. Uh, and, and so they you know, have difficulty reason, reasoning levels and stuff. So, so what I did is, you know, I tried, we tried putting some rays into her eyes. So whenever they petrify you, you can see the lines going down like, look, we're... <laughs> We're pointing mm. at you. I'm pointing at you. That's why you're petrified now. But that that was not enough. And and, and I tried something that started working well. Uh, I'm not 100% sure this is going to be a final solution. But mm-hmm. uh, what I do now is that I make the Medusas move when you're in the in their line of sight. But they won't petrify you yet. So oh. they just move when you're you're in front of them. So uh, it's not the same thing. Uh, Hmm. It's very, I mean, I don't explain, I don't, I don't exactly know why this works because it doesn't make any, some, a lot of logical sense, but it happens that people get less, less confused by that. Well, I mean, people it, don't forget about it anymore. It feels like it gets them into, uh, it's like a reminder of, cause you have, there's like, um, uh, cause there's like, there's two discrete conditions for this thing, right? Instead of one. So like a single discrete condition would be you and Medusa are in the same a column of tiles. So that's a single condition for a thing. And really it's two conditions. You're in the same column of tiles and you are facing each other. And then that's mm-hmm. that's the actual yeah. condition or yeah. whatever. So it makes sense like in a uh, like a Raymond Smolian like Gerdelian sense like logically there should be f- if there's two conditions you have to satisfy there should be four possible states for all of the right. elements involved in the puzzle, right? So it makes sense that there would be so, that, or at least three. So there's like uh, Medusa's not moving, Medusa's moving, Medusa's shooting lasers or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, and so now you're actually mapping most of the possibility space. Yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah, makes again see... makes perfect sense in in retrospect, right? Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it makes sense logically, but still. Uh... Well, logic but isn't the thing. It's psychology and player expectation, and it's this yeah, weird. It's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, like, something, what, something is going on about it. I, I, not, yeah. I don't fully understand. Well, because these things live in time too. Like that's the weird thing about game feedback is it always like we think of it as like a discrete. Oh, this thing happened, but it's not that. It's like that thing happened, and then it's like decaying in the player's brain over yeah, time, exactly. and then it needs like another thing after a while, and that's yeah. really weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those, yeah, feedback is 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 is, is strange. Yeah. And I think a lot of, of gameplay blower problems can be solved with feedback. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. You know, the hard part is that you don't really know if it's uh, a mechanic problem with the mechanic that you just cannot, you know, you're not very good to remember. Maybe just you're not communicating it properly. Or maybe it happens as well, that which happened in Ernesto and which happened in Storyteller, is that maybe you're not introducing the mechanic well. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, maybe the mechanic is fine. Maybe the feedback is fine. It just that did not introduce it well. Players got the wrong model about how that mechanic works, and mm. then they further down they get confused. I they don't really understand why. They think the game is broken. Hmm. And when the, you know when players get into the mindset uh, into the mindset that your game is broken, yeah, you know they lose trust in the game. So they second guess all the rules hmm. all the time. Yeah. Uh, John John calls it you know. Um, 
Yeah. Being in good hands, that's the expression he used. Oh. Hmm. Like, uh, like as a player, if you feel like you're in good hands, that you trust the game, then you are willing to go uh, an extra mile, you know, to right. play it. Uh, yeah. But if you lose the, that trust, and it's very easy to lose it, like mm. it's very easy to lose it, then uh, you lost it forever. Hmm. They're never going to trust you again. Like if you fail, like if, if you have a monster and one at that point, one of the monsters did something cheaty, they're like, is this going to happen every time? I don't trust the game now. Now I'm going to distrust every monster mm. or, or everywhere just because of this. And worse, now like, they're thinking about that instead of thinking about all the carefully exactly, prepared exactly. things that you made for them. Exactly. And... exactly. If, if they, in hmm. their minds, they're thinking, is this broken or is this or I'm not figuring it out. It's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whose whose problem is this now, right? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting concept as well. Hmm. Uh, with storyteller, I lost, I lost that all the time because you know of all these moving parts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would word the level, you know, the wording of the levels in storyteller is important because they tell you what to do. It's like make a murder of jealousy, right? Okay. So each one of, in each one of the levels of storyteller, you get you know a few frames, a few actors. Like mm -hmm. here's Adam that falls in love with women, and uh, and there's Eve, and she she can cheat on partners. He has no problem doing that. Uh, and then you get a goal like now with these frames and with these characters, make a murder of jealousy, right? Yeah. Uh, that wording in one of the trickier levels. It got me into a lot of problems, especially you know English hmm. not being my native native language. Sometimes yeah. I would express something, and I would realize that American players would have two interpretations of the goal, but the hmm. game only cared about one of them. And it was just you know a small word. I, I can I can think of a concrete example now. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, like suicide. I would use suicide, and it was not clear whether uh, he had to. Uh, it, it was. I don't know, but yeah. you know, uh, just wording, uh, just wording problems got me in trouble and people losing trust in the game. When it feels like, in some ways, um, this is something we ran into on a bunch of things. Um, uh, is this? Um, there's like an intersection of uh, failure often being an interesting or valuable experience to have in a game in one way or another. And then this um, need for people to um, uh, trust that they're in good hands. And the uh, there's a thing where if you're not a game designer, uh, usually you don't like failure. Uh, right. Where we're like, yeah, fail away. Like this is how this right. is how everything works. Like normal people right. don't want to fail. And so we've definitely we found ourselves in the position of. Um, needing people to fail in order to learn, but um, the way in which that happens uh, is very touchy, and mm -hmm. they um, uh, and people don't react well to it, and they're not reacting well to the like core thing that's supposed to be helping them learn about how things work. And so, like, Storyteller certainly seems like it has a little bit of this going on where you're saying, like, uh, hey, make a thing. I'm going to give you the tools, but I'm not going to help you build any of it. And if you get it wrong, it's because you're dumb. 
Um, like there's a bunch of, um, I think there are, there are types of games where there's like less pressure there. Like Minecraft, mm-hmm. probably there's not really as much. It's like, well, you failed in Minecraft. I don't even know what that means necessarily. I guess it's that you died, maybe. Yeah, I died, maybe. Yeah. Or, but like, what? It, otherwise, failure is like, you didn't dig the size of hole that you intended to dig, or yeah, maybe you are not. You started to build a base where there is no coal. So yeah, now yeah. it's dark and you don't have a torch. Yeah. But that like wraps back stuck. around to it being like, well, you should have picked a better place to build yeah, your thing. Spot, it's sort yeah. of your fall and kind of like comes back to that again. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's one of these, uh, uh, some key component of failure being okay is uh, needing that to be on the player, kind of. And there, it feels like there's some game designs where that's, uh, more like a more natural part of that game, and it's really hard to do on right. some things. And like our, this, we abandoned this really promising prototype after nine months because we couldn't get over this hump. I think I think this was like the problem with it was we had there weren't necessarily prescribed solutions, but um, it was easy to fail. It wasn't really easy to tell why you failed, and mm-hmm. you weren't picking your own things to fail at. Right, and so. Um, uh, yeah, I think Spelunky, it's sort of like take you know, are you going to go up here and try this risky thing, or you're just going to take the shortcut and go down at the door? Like you're kind of making miniature challenges for yourself all the time. Right, right. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess failure, you know, works. I mean, what what we definitely learned not to do in game design anymore is punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned to get away from that. Like failure is not punishment, you know. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, it was a school of design for for a bit, for for, for, for some time that you know, failure means punishing the player. We yeah. learn not to do that. I mean, even 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 like torture games like uh, Super Hexagon, mm-hmm. uh, failure or, or Super Meat Boy is like failure is self correction, right? Mm-hmm. The game is no this is wrong, no this is wrong, no this is wrong, 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 wrong. And I, 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 you're just, I mean, everything happens so fast that your brain is adjusting. It's like, okay, we're, the game is just correcting me, right? Mm-hmm. It's not punish mm-hmm. me for failing. It's just helping me correct, and I'm yeah. trying to correct, right? So, uh, um, so it doesn't feel like failure. It feels like it feels like training, and that's why those games are not for everyone. It's like I don't mm-hmm. want to train this, right? It's you know, training is painful. I don't want to feel pain, yeah. especially given that this, this, is a, this is a fucking game, right? I don't yeah, want, there's, to, I want to train. There's a power in that, too, though, that it sounds like maybe is a tricky thing in Storyteller and was tricky in one of our prototypes where, um, you know, you can do something and not see the consequences of it immediately. Yeah. Like, you can do a thing and, like, you know, Super Meat Boy, you, like, you do a jump and you land on spikes and blood flies everywhere and it's like, oh, feedback. I, that yeah. that has to be done differently. It's unequivocal. Like there's no confusion there, and there are other optional challenges I can make for myself. But if I want to go through here, this is how it's done. Right. Uh, and um, there's a lot of interesting games that are, are are way more ambiguous than that. And I think it's yeah, really yeah. tricky. Yeah, FTL is like that. Like F- FTL, uh, the game has feedback. But sometimes you get the feeling that you're not completely sure if you could have avoided dying or not. 
You're mm. not completely sure. You're, you're never really sure. You keep playing the game because you're also trying to figure that out. It's mm. like, do I have control over my fate or or is it just a game being random, right? Right. Because, you know, once you started a, a combat, you're not able to win or you jump into some hazard. It's like, you think, could I have... Could I have avoided it or not? Maybe I could have avoided it, right? Mm -hmm. So you keep playing the game, and eventually you realize whether whether the, it's it's the game's fault or your fault, right? With, with Spelunky, you die a lot, but very quickly as you keep playing the game, you realize that you are getting better at it, and you and, and the earlier levels get a lot easier, feels a lot like a lot, lot easier, and you get deeper and deeper each time mm. because. Uh, because the game, the hazards in the game, you can you can learn about them. You can learn how to navigate them. Yeah. So when you die, it's usually because you either make made a bad mistake or you're not trained enough for that part of the yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually uh, it was like a big deal for me when I started um, when people started making videos of being like super good at Spelunky. That was actually really nice for me because it it felt like it answered a lot of those questions. I felt like I was so not confused anymore. Like, uh, like seeing that gave me more trust in the designer. Where I was like, "Oh, this right. game's cool," and I'm like, "Well, oh, but it keeps engineering these horrible scenarios that right. I can't that you know feel like broken." But then finding out, "Oh no, no, they're not. I'm just terrible." That right, actually right, was right. great. That was like that gave me so much faith in the game and made me want to play the game more. Um, even though it was an affirmation of me being terrible, right, which right, is sort of right. which is kind of counterintuitive, I guess, in some ways. Like <laughs> you know, we're supposed to praise the player and encourage them, and all of these things. Right, 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 right. We're taught. I mean, that that was this, that was the second the second school overshot with that. It's like yeah. before it was punishment. Then it was you are not supposed to make the player fail in any way or feel like like <laughs> right. you failed in any way. Right. So we got these, these, you know, mild games in which you're just pressing a button and it feels a lot like work. Like, there are no consequences to what I'm doing. I'm just just a mm. thing here, mm -hmm. you know, push, pushing buttons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and now we are coming to realize that at least indie games are like, well, no, fuck that. Let's... We can make hard games. We can make games where you fail. Mm -hmm. We just have to be careful about how we handle it. That's all. Yeah. And I like the idea, too, of I'm hoping to see more things soon and maybe work on some things where there are um, consequences. There are always interesting consequences for your actions, but they're not always really easy to sort into, like, good and bad. You know, just, like, more weird stuff happens. And I don't know where, like, it feels like uh, I feel a lot of like there's a lot of um, pressure or burden for these things to be, you know, even like all my spreadsheets and everything for all games where I think, oh, this is a game that's about interesting consequences. And I'm like, well, what's the interesting consequence? Well, there's some bonuses and some penalties, and, and which is still the same thing. It's still like goods and bad right, right, right. things instead of like, which is a very gamey thing to do, I guess, but it also seems like a not very like human life experience -y kind of a thing. Where, like, what just... Do you mean? Where, like, uh, sometimes things can happen and it's not that they made you stronger or made you weaker or anything. Uh, it was just this 
like fascinating, interesting thing that happened. Right. Uh, you know, like it was. Uh, uh, we wandered around in La Boca all day. Right. Um, that was super cool. I don't know if it like made me like. I, I see. I see. Better. I see. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm better at killing other monsters now. You know, right. but it was like this really rich, like beautiful consequence of a long series of decisions. Right. Right. Like I can right. easily reverse engineer how I could have not ended up in Laboka. Right, right, right. You know, that's not really a good question, but. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, the thing that I can identify with to some extent, we may have already sort of dug through this territory, but the um, the trickiness of having um, early success. Even on a scale, I think the I feel like the success that we had with Flash games that we made around 2009 was um, uh, kind of similar in scale. It's not like mega success. Like we didn't. I don't think either of us have sports cars, as far as I know. No. Um, you know, they weren't. Uh, I they, mean, you did fraud. You you did well. You, you did a lot better than I did. I'm sure of that. Um, it was it was fine, but it was it was a very similar situation actually, where um, Cannibal is probably uh, is definitely much better known by game designers than just you know gamers or whatever or anybody else. Like it's right. uh, um, which is great. That's very useful if you're trying to get to know other game designers. It's yeah, great yeah, yeah, yeah. to make a game yeah. that other game designers like. Um, no complaining there, but um, it is a crazy weird pile of expectations. Um, that appeared suddenly where it was like, oh, this is the kind of thing I do. Like, uh, you know, I make a little game and it only takes like a month and um, and everybody loves it. And so next month I'll just do the same thing. But I have all of the experience of having of this previous game. And so next month's game is going to be even better. Yeah. Um, And then like a year goes by. Yeah. And you don't have anything better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and you're the genius designer. I mean, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Right. right? Yeah. I mean, it's if 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 you if you can make a better game, then maybe it was just a fluke, right? You just mm-hmm. you just stumble into a good game. You mm-hmm. need to make it. Yeah, I know. I know that feeling. Yeah. And both of those things but, are sort of true. And both of those things are sort of false. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, there are two different kinds of expectations, right? One is to be, is to be, for the games to be successful, and a different thing is for the games to be good games, something you're proud of, something you can yeah. say, dude, this is good, even if you don't like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, those are two different things. I think what happened, what happened, for example, with Carnival, is you had both, right, at the same time. Yeah, that was terrible. I mean, it was awesome, but it ended up, the consequences of that were like personally weirdly uncomfortable. Yes, uh, yes, of course, of course. Uh, and uh, it, I, I think this is a fairly common uh, happening in the industry. I think a lot of people, you know, got felt burdened by the their previous success, so they had a very hard hard time, uh, you know, coming up with a good successor to that yeah, and, and I couldn't like, I couldn't separate these two expectations though 
like which was a huge part of the uh the problem for me i think like the idea yeah. that commercial success and like personal satisfaction um which were very those were completely distinct and i knew that they were distinct things and i knew how i felt about them and then we made um then the cannibal thing happened and then all that stuff went away right like my brain just like was like oh it's all tied up together and like and yeah it was just like i don't know well well you, you know you made these uh so I was thinking if I could come up with an example of uh, what would be, you know, uh, playing for success to be successful again versus, you know, playing for feeling proud of uh, doing something that, you know, took you one step beyond as a game creator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so remember when you made uh, the flappy carnival, kind of flappy, flappy ball, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, that would have been, you know, following carnival on trying to be successful without mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, being a game that you said, I am growing as a game designer a lot. And you can yeah, see I don't. I don't feel right? a ton of personal pride about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But what would have happened if you, you know, worked on it maybe another month and released it as a commercial game? Maybe it wouldn't have be as good as Cannibal, but maybe it would have. It would have been. I don't know. In terms hmm. of success, in, yeah. in commercial success at least, right? Yeah. Maybe you could have made a lot of money by making that. The Adam Salzman next next game is Flappy Bolt. Right? <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people do that, right? Uh, mm -hmm. they, they they find a hit and they try to you know to stay in the same vein. Yeah. Because they say, well, I bump into something, I'm lucky, so I'm going to, I'm not going to push my luck. I'm going to well, stay and in and my it, niche. Yeah, which can be great if that's the thing that you love. You know. Well, it's easy. It's easier. It's easier to live like that. That's for sure. You know, because yeah. you know you're. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're Jeff Bogle, Bogle, I don't know how, how his name is pronounced. You know, the mm -hmm. RPG, this mm -hmm. guy that makes the RPG, Abaddon and 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 Avernum and Gene Forge. You know, the guy. Yeah. I mean, that's these those kind of games. They're they're all the same game, right? Yeah. He's always making the same game. It's always it's always the same game. He tweaks something, improves one thing, mm -hmm. and ships another game, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he does. So he picked that niche. And sometimes he complains about whether he's doing good or not. But he would not do anything else, right? Yeah. He wants to stay there. He that's his niche. He wants to stay there. He's not going to move away from that. Mm -hmm. So even if he I, I'm pretty sure that even if he starves, he's going to keep banging at that niche because quickly hmm. that he's not going to move away from there. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, whereas I think the fact that we that we are sort of like GDC folk, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we are surrounded by different game designers, by a lot of people different, dif uh, thinking different things. You know, we see these talk, we see these games, stuff, different stuff is, you know, flying through our brains all the time. So it's natural that, you know, we will want to try something different. Like, no, no, I want to make a different game now. Now this is, I want to try something else. Yeah. But, you know, Every time you do that, you're still carrying. You're not starting from the ground up. You're carrying all the expectations people had from your last game into your, your next game. Even if you, even if you're a beginner at making the kind of game you're making, we all are. Right, right. right. Uh, we just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, expectations is 
it's been a bit poisonous for me at least. It didn't help me much. I like if, I could, if I could change the past, I would have, I would move Ernesto back to 2008. Right, because you wanted make to make you wanted to make an project. RPG anyway, right? Yeah, I was trying to I could <laughs> not figure things out until now. But if I could change stuff, I would send Ernesto back in time and leave today I die uh, and I wish I would move for a few years after that. Hmm. Um, it helped me a lot. Those games helped me a lot, but also were not that healthy for me in the long run. Hmm. You know, that early success. It made, it, it made things seem easy. Yeah. Oh, this is easy. I just make a game and submit it to the IGF. Oh, I'm a finalist now. And then next year, a winner and a award. Dude, this is like this is like piece of cake. Just do it. <laughs> uh, right? It, it, I, 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 that's not exactly how I thought about it, but it seeps a bit into you. Like, and I, it, was, it was not very good for me. Like, I cannot make a game that would not be an IGF finalist now, right? Uh, yeah. So I mean, we'll see, I guess. But uh, well, I did not submit to IGF this year. No, I'm not going to. Yeah, me neither. Mm. Um, did did you did you consider it yesterday? Did you consider submitting? Um, a little bit. I don't. I would rather. I would rather sit on our thing until it's fully cooked. I think. I think yeah. like it, I think it's doing interesting things, but. Um, on like and a bunch of stuff and like we have there's like art in there that's just stolen from other games right, right, right. and stuff <laughs> like it's it is not ready for private consumption even right, right. Um, um let's see um I really like this idea of um uh, kind of uh, having granularity for your expectations for yourself. That seems like a really healthy thing. Like I said, that's not that's not a thing that I had. I just had this kind of unanalyzed, massive pile of interrelated pressures that I wasn't handling very well. But this idea of being able to, like, intentionally, cognitively separate these things and think about uh, your work existing on different axes. So there's the axis of uh, how do my peers feel about it? How do players feel about it? How do I feel about it? And how did this weird class of paying player feel about it? And those all being completely different. They're related in, in a lot of ways, but... Um, if you get really lucky and you build something that um, that registers on all of those axes, uh, you don't just carry over your expectations for yourself along a particular axis. You carry along the expectation that you will do more work that registers on all of them again. And I found that that's I've you know I really haven't made anything that did that since um i think we made something that um did well with players but game designers didn't care about very much and then i made something that players didn't really care about um but that other game designers liked a lot like mm -hmm. uh, uh i made something that i was very very happy with and nobody else cared about 
Um, like I've, I've been building projects that have really, I've been very, very happy with how they've functioned along uh, one or two of these axes at a time. But uh, having a piece of work that, um, that lights up everything at once, I think, is maybe think, that's yeah. a maybe that's a luck thing, yeah. Or, or luck in a skill. You engineer that. I I think it's pretty not from not from any old, not from just the next idea that you want to make. I don't think you can't just pick an idea and have it end up doing that. It's got to be some mix of having the right starting materials and applying the right process and having an enormous amount of confidence and. And all of those things, maybe. Um, but the idea of dividing those things up as a healthy way of thinking about your own work as a, as like a process instead of like a series of endpoints or whatever seems really right. Healthy. Right. That right. seems like a good thing for humans to do. Yeah, I I don't know. I I get I I'm trying to. I'm trying to not think about that at all. Actually. Huh. Um. I, I mean, realize that, you know, playtesting Ernesto is good. It's it's good for me to, you know, get my bearings mm. of where the game is at, how people are, you know, some people are receiving it and whatnot. But, for example, I'm, I, I ask a few designers to, you know, uh, give me feedback for the game, uh, But I don't think I'm, I am, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think we can control who we make the games for, right? It's like, mm-hmm. this game feels good to me, but if people would not have received it well at all, maybe I would have not pursued it. Um, other game designers, I know, you know, designers I respect like it, see the potential in it. And I'm fine with that. And I don't need everyone. Everyone else, who, you know, like the game. Like Chris Hacker doesn't like the game. Mm-hmm. Like like John Blow likes Ernesto, but Chris Hacker hates it. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like the kind of game that he vocally yeah thinks that are crap and we're making crap, right? So he's he's kind of he said said to me, I mean, this you you got in Ernesto, you got the worst of this kind of game. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but you know I'm I um it's a, it's a good thing that I'm feeling uh, I don't know it's it feels good the game feels developing the game feels good to me and I observe that people people will people will find a good an interesting game to play there I think mm-hmm. and that's I'm not I don't want you to think about anything else in terms of expectations and stuff like that yeah. what I'm going to drive me I mean they drove me that kind of thing drove me crazy in Storyteller hmm. yeah it drove me absolutely crazy it's, yeah. it was it was maddening it was absolutely maddening hmm. so I don't want to go there anymore it's like yeah. you know what I I already got enough confirmation to know that I want to make this game and I'm going to and I'm going to voluntarily stop there Hmm. And not consider anything else about expectations and stuff. You know, I, I I've been feeling this this past year and a half that I've been embarrassing myself in a lot of different ways. 
like I am making uh, one once a week now. I am streaming level design, Ernesto level design, only Spanish, mm -hmm. for, you know, for people of the local community. And I'm doing streamings, like live streaming of level design. You know, these four well level design, which I'm I'm throwing stuff into the screen and hoping something sticks, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is is embarrassing, man. Especially mm -hmm. when I see the, the the comments and stuff saying saying things like, "Dude, I can do that. Like, <laughs> even I can do that." I mean, there's there is no there's absolutely nothing here that I could not do myself, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, in a way, it's true. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything magical, mm -hmm. uh, and it feels, but but it hurts to read that right because well, it's also, but it's also sort of like somebody going in like watching a chef making a new recipe and going like i could chop food and throw it in a pot which yeah. is true you could chop food and throw it in a pot but there is like right. there's a process there there's yeah, a... yeah but even even i mean but, but you know the process is not glamorous no the process itself mm. maybe there are some moments of genius like if we could edit the making <laughs> sure, of hundreds yeah. Sure. To make it of hundreds into the brightest moments. Oh yeah! If you cut out if about, I, if I look incredible. Like, oh wow! How did you? How did yeah. you come up with that? If you cut how out about fifteen, if if hundreds took sixteen months to make, if you cut out about fifteen months and two weeks worth of that, right. there'd be some really good stuff in there. Yeah, like oh man, these guys are geniuses. They just yeah, they just solved a very difficult problem. I could have yeah. never thought of it, but you know. Yeah, it was it's just not like, glamorous. Yeah, no, it's just two months of horrible ideas. For every good idea in hundreds, there's two months of garbage. Flailing around. And yeah. even the the good ideas, eh, they're good enough. Well, they're good enough. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I mean, we're solving problems, right? It's how mm -hmm. do I do something interesting with this? And either mm -hmm. we solve the problem or not. Uh, but the problem solving itself, it's kind of ridiculous and, and <laughs> not glamorous at all mm -hmm. well and so, so much I, of it is um like we were saying earlier like like the way that we learn things and explore space is by failing and so if you don't have if you have a very let's say like colloquial definition of failure and you're watching a professional game designer design things um yeah it's super gnarly it's like the whole kitchen's just on fire all the time <laughs> and we're going like Oh, I didn't expect it to burn down that way. That was interesting. Okay, build a, <laughs> build a new kitchen, whatever. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not sexy. Yeah, it's it's not sexy at all. So I, I've been trying to come up with terms, to terms with that, in that I am not genius designer. Mm. I am not, uh, you know, I, I don't get divine inspiration sudden mm -hmm. burst of divine inspiration to make games that way mm -hmm. uh so i'm throwing you know here especially here in south america it's like there's there's there was been an image of who i am mm -hmm. like daniel the super designer and won awards at the igf and then all that stuff mm -hmm. and i've been trying to turn it down now mm. yeah for myself like yeah. mostly for myself i want to sort of start from scratch now I don't want to be burdened with all those expectations and 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 because it made they made me pose, right? So I am now I have this role and this sort of star, right? And now I have to fill in those shoes, right? So I have to behave like one. Yeah, I have to behave like I'm a star, right? Mm -hmm. I only release excellent games. 
are all uh, win awards, they all win awards, they, the press is always interested in them. Like, nobody in the press gave, gives a shit about Ernesto at all. I, I, nobody's, nobody cares absolutely at all, at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so in, that, in that sense, I am the, in the mud with everyone else trying to get attention, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm right there. So I'm trying to come, come, come to terms with that. And hmm. in, in a way, I'm trying to make it public. And to make it public, I'm just exposing myself more. Like, I'm going to give, next week, I'm going to give a talk about game design, I'm going to show my process, you know, some good ideas that came out of that, but also, you know, I'm making this, I hope, I hope this works, right? This it's, is kind of know. a, there's like an interesting parallel here where it feels like, um, I think in a, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, people who are doing game design for the first time or are, uh, you know, let's say early in any creative career probably have, you have this like, um, uh, very um maybe you have like a career goal and your goal is like well if only i could just spend as long as i wanted on my dream projects and simultaneously uh was like um internationally known and respected for my achievements then i will have made it right right then that's that's where i want to be but uh it seems like you're sort of like um I mean, essentially, like, intentionally dismantling both parts of that, at least a little bit. Like, intentionally working on something uh, that's maybe uh, less about a single high concept. And intentionally putting yourself in a position where uh, you have uh, less financial freedom than you did before. It's not You're not in a bad situation by any means. Like, it's much better to kind of, like, um, come down to this. I think in some ways than uh, than to have to climb up to it in the first place, but um, I don't know. It's just sort of interesting to me. I think that was um, uh, and and I'm, I'm agreeing with you too. Like I would much rather be in a uh, one of my friends calls this um, being hungry, mm. um, which is sort of a funny word for it. But this sense of um, wanting. There's a there's some weird degree of discomfort that is like uh, essential t for some of us to uh, be honest and to be objective about our own work and to uh, uh, have a useful set of constraints that we're able to do something positive with, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. So, so now 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 I'm thinking about this. I just came to a realization that you know. Every every few years, I got really good at something, and then I quit. <laughs> like uh, when I started working as a programmer, I became really good at handling some arcane Microsoft libraries called NFC or whatever. Yeah, they were super super arcane and stuff. I be I became really good at it. I was, I was, I was an NFC programmer for two and a half years. Okay, actually. yeah. Okay, that's good. There's not a lot of us. <laughs> and then not I quit. anymore, at least. Yeah. Uh, so I became really good at it, and at some point I said, "Well, if I want to work with games, I will have to quit this. I, I can't keep doing this, mm -hmm. even though I was, you know, I could have gotten a really highly paid job somewhere, you know, doing that because there's there's these people that need these arcane, have these arcane libraries that need some yeah. somebody good at it, and nobody's nobody's learning to use them anymore because they are of fashion and whatever, and they're so, and they're horrifying." And they're horrified. Yeah, they're they're absolutely horrible. Yeah. I'm I'm actually very happy at the choice. So, 
So I quit. I never touched MFC again, mm. ever. And then I went to GameLoft and I became a programmer lead there at a big studio. Then I learned, you know, to be a manager, to lead people, to, mm. you know, putting out fires, you know, swimming the swimming with the sharks, you know, it was a very political company. Mm. And mm -hmm. then I said, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to learn this. I didn't want to learn this. I wanted yeah. to be close to games and not too close to games at all. Yeah. So time to quit. And I quit. And no, I don't have any of the power. I mean, it was, it was good to feel all that, you know, I had a lot of influence, a lot of people relying on me. Uh, it felt good. Mm -hmm. It felt like power. You know, small one, but it's it's still power. I mean, I had I had two hundred programmers. There was a lot of people uh, hmm. in the studio. Yeah. So it felt great to be there, and then I quit, and, it, and you know threw it all away. So now I think the right amount of years has passed, and now it's time to quit something. Hmm. And I've been thinking about uh, you know I've been thinking about quitting games, video games completely, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, I keep being drawn into them. Hmm. So, so, so I said, okay, I'm going to keep making games, but something has to die here. Yeah. Something has to die. And I sort of decided that I'm going to shut off that fantasy of being a well-known game designer and stuff. I'm trying to get, get off from it. Hmm. Uh, in fact, I am now starting to think that maybe it's time to stop, you know, talking publicly for a while until, mm -hmm. you know, Ernesto is more advanced and uh, have more to talk about, yeah. more interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, but yeah, I, I really need, I really want to feel differently than a liquid storyteller. So, so something, something has to die. And I think it's going to be this, this notion that I am a super game designer. Which in a way is just like know. the notion, like, it sounds like really what, maybe this is reading too much into it, but it's almost like what really needs to die is the notion that there are super game designers. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's a bit of that, right? Uh, you keep finding it. Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, Lucas Pope made this game and he's a star designer now and you know, has all this expectation of his next game and all, and all that. Uh, well, you know, media and also the industry likes to have, you know, figures, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. but, um, <sighs> but I, I don't know, I see a lot of trouble game designers, man. Yeah. Uh, lots of them are really troubling one way or the other. Um, John Blow is maybe troubled by the fact that you know he 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 feels a bit of loathing at you know all the people that insult me on the internet and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there's Will Fish and and we kind of fly under the radar, but yeah. we know that eventually you know we might be on the spotlight again. Yeah. Well, yeah. really, like this is this is one of the one of the great things about making games that game designers love, but maybe not that many other people. Not that many. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> the problem is you're never going to have a sports car that way. Yeah, I know. You never buy a Tesla. Like I get almost no hate mail at all. Right. Because I've technically never been heard of. 
Except right. among my peers, who are the people that I wanted to talk to anyway. Right, right. But you know that it's not like you control it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm, you make your like next game, nice that changes. Yeah, and I'm trying to do that. Like, I'm trying to make a thing that connects with a wider audience because I want to make things that mean a lot to a lot of people. But, like, I kind of know where that can go also. Hmm. I don't know. But... Hmm. I mean, that's, that's the reason why, you know, big companies don't don't really have names or if they have names they're firewalled yeah. by by intermediate people like I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Justin Bieber doesn't read his Twitter <laughs> probably not right? yeah. there's someone else he hires someone else yeah who doesn't take you know the emotional uh, <laughs> load of the tweets right because you just laugh at it I mean if you're in charge of Justin Bieber's Twitter you would just laugh at all the horrible things and the threats and everything, right? You mm -hmm. just laugh at it. And then you go to Justin and say, well, Twitter is great, man. <laughs> yeah. Great. Good job, everybody. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you don't, you don't care about that. Yeah. But, you know, we are, uh, these, these figures, these indie figures are more exposed. Uh, hmm. So we are more at the mercy of uh, how people feel about us. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, I have taken up an enormous amount of your time, and I wanted to just sneak in maybe like a couple more questions. Yeah, um, sure. Um, this was fantastic, but uh, there's a couple of questions that I'm kind of asking everybody just because I'm their yeah, sure. personal curiosities or whatever. And one of them is, can you think of a time on a game design where you were, um, where you quote unquote broke a rule in order to like make the game better. So there was some, there was like the way you're supposed to do it. My bad example is like we put crates in cannibal and crates let you slow down whenever you want. And in a game that's like about going really fast and jumping and stuff, you would, I see. it would be like, well, that's stupid. You can't do that because then the game won't get challenging. But it ended up being fine and actually ended up making a whole bunch of things in the game that were previously impossible really good and make a lot of sense. Um, I see. I see. Well, I would say that for me, it was making ultra-short games. Mm. Mm -hmm. It says, dear short. It is so short and almost not, you know, not games. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that for me, that was, that was a rule I broke. At least with my early games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most people would like, say, oh, oh, yeah, uh, shoot for three to four minutes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. a perfect yeah. length for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to do that, but it was like, okay, uh, I have done all this work in this game, and that's it, man. I, I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what to add without, you know, uh, just, you know, artificially start bumping stuff into the game. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what else to add, so I guess, I don't know, I guess this is it. Right, so I, I'm just going to ship it. Um, I mean, it's it's not like it was super rare. I mean, people already made small games at the time, mm -hmm. but I had to struggle a bit to you know accept the fact that you know this is a complete experience. It's finished. That's yeah. it. I had to struggle with it. A bit. Yeah. Uh, 
at the time. And, if, and, 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 and in retrospect, retrospect, they, they were good. They were good choices. Mm-hmm. And then with, with Storyteller, uh, it was like, I don't know if there's a game here. I, 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 when they, they build a century IGF, it's like, I don't know if this, if this is a game or not. But there's something, <laughs> but there's, there's something, I, I, the question was, I don't know if I can make a game out of this or not. Mm. But there's something going on here yeah. in this game. And I'm just trying to, I'm going to try to isolate it and try to get to that. Like, ne- I've never seen a game try this before. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Like, this, this interactive storytelling that works is what I called it. Yeah. It's like, that works like a game, right? Yeah. It's something you could actually play with. And I took, uh, and I don't think I'm, I am really far from that, but uh, it's not there yet. But it was, it was a bold thing to do. And you know the 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 jury of the Nuovo Award, they told me like this this was really very different from everything mm-hmm. else. It was really the experience of playing this game is very very different. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that was my second cool thing thing in which I broke a rule. I didn't even have a game, but I wanted to, to go for it. I did not settle for the tool. Or an or a toy or an expression. It was like, no man, I'm going to make a game out of this. I don't know how. I still don't know how. <laughs> but uh, but I am going to make a game out of this. Hmm. Yeah, that's where I broke the rule. I did not give up and you know make a tool. Yeah. Or make a toy. Yeah. No, no, no. This this is going to be a game. I just need to I just need to to figure a couple of things out, and this is going to be a game. Hmm. Yeah, I would say that's it. Cool. Um, and then, oh man, this last question might even not have an answer. I'm not sure, but um, is there uh, actually? Well, actually, I kind of maybe I know the answer now. After we talked, we we kind of touched on this already. But is there, um, um, you know, is there something that you think of or that other people think of when they play your games and they go, oh, like this is, like I can see the work of Daniel like in this in the dna of this game well it did happen mostly uh with the, my visual art style like the characters with the six pixel big mm-hmm. eyes mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and you know that that resolution and the uh the kind of characters that i drew mm-hmm. like you know people expected me to keep making games like that like right that, right that, you know, style so and also, you know, the first games like *The Wish Over the Moon*, *Today I Die*, and *Storyteller*, uh, the the early version of *Storyteller*, they're all sort of in the same space. Mm-hmm. They're not really very far from each other. Maybe they are mechanically, but uh, they feel like they, they exist in the same vein. Well, the, yeah. Same... Well, they're they seem like they're all about um, they're all they're about all the English. Short. They're all about the English language. Too, well, which is no, sort of... not really. Uh, it's, it's more like uh, okay, this is uh, these games exist in a sort of quiche literature thing. Uh, you know, the depressing poem mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. every storyteller, which else was a fairy tale. And I wish I were the moon was based on Italo Calvino's uh, "Distance from the Moon" book mm. story. Uh, so they all they, they all stayed in that space. The mood mm. uh, they had the same mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So you could recognize those games. Yeah. But if you grab Ernesto now, it, or if you grab the latest storyteller for that matter, it doesn't feel very much like that at all. Mm -hmm. Maybe storyteller still still does a bit, but uh, it doesn't. I, I I was moving away from the art, so I got an artist to start working on game stuff. So that went away, mm -hmm. and so storyteller doesn't feel like it belongs to that group, hmm. and Ernesto definitely doesn't. Yeah. So I've been moving away from that. So yeah, I, I don't think there is a there is a print of my work. Maybe there is, but I cannot see it. I can, hmm. I, can I cannot see it now. Maybe we should wait to see how Ernesto turns out. Maybe they will know. Because oh man, this is totally your work because this and this and this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I can see it now. Hmm. Cool. Um, that's all I got, man. Okay, that's okay, all my questions. Right. Thank it you was, so much. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Cool. I, good. I, I would need to say, you know, it's rare that I get uh, that I get to talk about these subjects like this because you know, the people I get, I usually get the answers I, I usually get from people are way less interesting and less deep. You know, they are interesting, but not in the sense that are interesting to me. Like right, right. Well, yeah, and this what is... do you think? Like, what do you think about stories and games? <laughs> and really, I have to really have to go over this. Um, so it was a lot of fun answering these questions. Well, this uh, with any luck, this project will be just like our games, and game designers will love this project, and okay. nobody else will care that much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, thank you so much. This was this was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you.